Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today, it's our pleasure to have the Most Reverend Han Tainian, who is one of the bishops here in the Diocese of Orange. Welcome, Bishop. Well, thank you, Rick. And we also have with him Elizabeth Nguyen, no relation to the bishop, uh, who is going to be talking to us today about Our Lady of Levang and some very important happenings that are taking place on the campus here. But before we begin, let's go ahead and ask, Bishop, would you be so kind as to start us with a brief word of prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we thank you for the many gifts you have given us. We thank you for the gift of uh, uh, our Blessed Mother, who share the Son of God to all of us, after, say, fiat, to the angel appearing to her. And she continued to to help each one of us here, even though after Jesus ascended into heaven and appeared to uh, Lourdes and, and uh, Guadalupe and Fatima, and now we were talking about the Our Lady of Lavang. May we ask um, Mary to intercede for each one of us uh, in our life and in our journey of life. And for this we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady Lavang, pray for us in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we are here today to talk about Our Lady of Levang. Now, as you mentioned, Father, there have been a, a number of appearances of Our Lady, and all over the world, when she has appeared, there seem to be certain things that are in common with a lot of them. One of them being that the people who she appears to are in some sort of desperate need because of their faith. So before... I, we, we go any further. I think there's a lot of people who have no idea who Our Lady of Levang is. And yet in the Vietnamese community, it would be hard not to know who, who Our Lady of Levang is. Southern California has a lot of Vietnamese here compared to a lot of other locations in the world, especially in Orange County. Is that correct? Yeah, Orange County is uh, the uh, most uh, Vietnamese uh, populated uh, uh, city Outside of Vietnam. Wow. Yeah. So this particular shrine that is in the process of being finished and we're ready to dedicate speaks to many, many, many people who are present in Southern California. What can you tell us about the story of Our Lady of Levang? And why is it that the diocese is having the events that are going to take place now on July 17th? Well, uh, the story of Our Lady of Lavang is the story of hope and faith of the Vietnamese community uh, in Vietnam as well as the, uh, I call the the Vietnam diaspora uh, in, in other country. The story dated back to more than 200 years ago. In fact, that uh, 223 years 
to be exact, in the year of uh, 1798. Okay. At that time, there was a great Christian persecution taking place in Vietnam, especially in the central part uh, that where the king lived. And because of the persecution, so a lot of Christians had to flee uh, from their home, from their village, into the forest. Uh, all right. And while they were there, they struggled with uh, food, with the weather, and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, they really in the desperate need. And one night, uh, while I, they, I heard there was a lot of sickness that was involved. There was a lot of sickness, and you name it. I think it was very much like a, the, the Vietnamese refugee came later on. But anyway, in, in their desperate need, that one night they were all together praying. And they saw a lady with an infant uh, and, and, and telling them uh, that I'm here to be with you. And, and also, please uh, uh, use the leaves around there we call lavang and um, boil the leaves and use it as a medicine. So like a tea of sorts. Uh, just something like that. Yeah. And so they did. And uh, people uh, were miraculously healed and wow. so on and so forth. So that's the year of uh, 1798. So in this little brand new country of America, John Adams would have been president. And it would have been a very long time. Yet here all the way around the world, Our Lady appears to these Catholics. These are Catholics that are here and they have been suddenly persecuted by the king who's fearing the rise of Catholicism in, in the king's country. of Vietnam. Similar to the, the early Christian uh, church in, in Rome. Wow. But very much like that. Uh, and, then, and then so um, after the, the, the persecution subsided, so they went back to their village and they passed on the story. And, and then a lot of people believe in it. And so about three years later, a third chapel was built at the site. So the a people. couple of years later, they built a chapel there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Does that chapel exist today? No, the chapel was destroyed uh, a few years later because of persecution. They did another uh, persecution. They did back. I remember reading something and, about that. that yeah. They had waves of persecution that yep, came they through waves in the one after 19th another century. And, and so on and so forth. But uh, then later on, in uh, the late uh, 19th century, they were supported by... The Bishop of Hue, uh, Bishop Casper, and so the first church of Aule Lavang was built and dedicated in the year of 1901 by Bishop Casper, Bishop Locke. So that's so the third church of Aule Lavang. 120 years ago, roughly. Yep. All right. And so since then, there has been a, a Catholic presence in Lavang as an official Our Lady of Lavang. Being there, yeah. Well, I think this right after the, the first church of Our Lady Lavang was built, then a flock of pilgrims begin to 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 come to uh, to Lavang in order to to pay homage and, and to honor our Blessed Mother. Uh, but because of the Vietnam War, yeah. All right, you know about the Vietnam so, War, of, of course. Uh, Civil War from 1955, 54 till 1975. Then that church was destroyed. Right. All right. That for, uh, for the church, communists were not exactly pro-Catholic. Uh, well, that you, you can say that. You, 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 you can say that. Well, all joking aside, they were very anti-Catholic. But miraculously, the bell tower and the altar was 
intact. Wow. So still stand uh, at this time. And so because of that uh, altar and the bell tower that the people continue to go into Aule Lavang uh, Shrine to honor our Blessed Mother and pray. I think a number of Americans, they remember parts of the Vietnam War, but I don't think they remember all of it. They, a lot of people don't know that it goes back to when the French were involved in the 1950s before it was essentially handed off to the United States as they were involved. And meanwhile, the people of Vietnam are going through this the entire time. Yeah. Now, Elizabeth, I understand mm. that your family also comes from Vietnam. Correct. So you have a story about your grandparents who were involved in persecution as well. I want to get to that in just a little bit. And I understand, Bishop, your story also involves persecution in relation to the time after Vietnam. You were actually in seminary during the war for part of it, weren't you? Yes, I entered seminary when I was 13 years old in 1966. And so I took first vow with that community, St. Joseph Congregation, in 1974, just one year before the communists invade the South. Yeah. All right. So my story of persecution is that right after that, I was sent to a committee in, in the place Phan Ri, it's just, uh, close to Saigon. And then in 1978, the communists wanted to disband the community, and so they put us, 13 of us, under house arrest oh, wow. for two months uh, to interrogate us uh, with all those kind of things that, that, that they excuse us. But I think the main purpose for them to do is to disband us. And in order to disband to discourage our, you. Yep, yeah. disband community, their goal was to have all 13 of us signing the paper. I volunteered to go back to my own family wow. to continue religious life until all of us signed that paper. Then they just send truck and then pick us up and send us home. So that's a persecution. And so six months later, I escaped Vietnam uh, with my family by boat. So if we're talking then about how Our Lady of Levang relates to the Vietnamese people, her appearance in 1798 really was both good news and bad news. The good news is your mother is here. The bad news is I'm here because there's a lot of persecution that's going to continue and continued for quite some time. And that's why I said the story of Alele Lavang is a story of hope and faith uh, for the Vietnamese community in Vietnam as well as, as here uh, in the United States and in, in Orange County uh, because uh, in our desperate need, Our Lady appeared to us. Our Lady walked with us. And so I say the story of Our Lady Lavang is a symbol of Our Lady journey with her people from uh, thick to thin, from the persecution in the 1798 and through all the persecution uh, ongoing, and then the persecution with the Vietnam War for 20 years, and then after the Vietnam War, 1975, a, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, enlisted soldier has been in re-education camp. Prison. I think that's, yeah, that, right. that makes sense. All right. And then uh, the wave of the Bo people to look for freedom. So I say that captured the, 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 the persecution that, that we have been experiencing. But we believe that Our Lady of Lavang journey with us and journey with a lot of uh, Bo people. And, and, and many of them have settled here in the Orange County here. And they decided to, uh, they decided to have a place to honor 
our Blessed Mother. And the shrine we are going to bless, tell them that their dream come true. And they're excited. So the presence of Our Lady of Levang as a, a devotion in Orange County, that has been here since the first Vietnamese arrived here. They would have brought it with them. So what have we had so far honoring Our Lady of Levang before we had the shrine that we're about to dedicate? Well, if you're talking about the local church, yeah. there's a lot of parishes here in the United States. They have not only the Shrine of Our Lady Lavang in their church property, but also they do have the Marian Weekend. Uh, there's a lot of uh, churches have have that, okay. and certainly Our Lady Lavang is part of, of that celebration. Um, so, so in the Diocese of Orange, then, we've had not only a private devotion to Our Lady Lavang, but we've had a number of our parishes that have had... A, whole communities that have been coming together. So having this shrine here in the front of our diocesan compound is really a way of acknowledging and honoring what so many Vietnamese have been doing for many, many years now in our, in our I, community. I, I, uh, I, I agree with that, and I, I think that's why we have this shrine. I talked to you earlier that Our Lady of Labang journey with the Bo people to come to the, the place like here in the United States, and, and many of them have settled here uh, in, in Orange County. They look back to their story of persecution, and they look back to their past life, and they remember all the blessings that they have received and uh, through the intercession of Blessed Mother. And so they really wanted to express their gratitude to our Blessed Mother. When we come back... I want to shift over to you, Elizabeth, because I understand that you are deeply involved in the project itself for what we're doing. We are talking to uh, Bishop Nguyen and Elizabeth Nguyen, who are discussing Our Lady of Levang and the dedication of the shrine here at the campus of Christ Cathedral. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the details of how that came about. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back. Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Most Reverend Tan Tai Nguyen, who is one of our bishops here in the Diocese of Orange, and also Elizabeth Nguyen. And Elizabeth, I want to shift over to you for a moment. We've been talking about the story of Our Lady of Levang and that this appearance of Mary was inspiring and um, empowering to the Vietnamese people while they went through persecutions in their homeland. Then we were talking a little bit how we have a large population of Vietnamese here in Southern California and how important Our Lady of Levang has been to them, especially in the, the various parish communities that we have around. Now we have this solemn blessing that's going to take place on the 17th of a shrine here at on the campus. Tell us about this project. How did this come about and what does it mean for the 17th? Thank you, Rick. That's a very uh, compounded question, but um, the project dates back to 10 years ago when the Vietnamese greater community here uh, came to the diocese and requested um, Bishop at the time to build a shrine of Our Lady on the main church. Uh, that didn't really go 
as far because there wasn't a plan for fundraising or a plan to how do you unite the, uh, all the parishes to get this done. So it was idle for a few years. And then about six years ago, it came back very strong. And it came through the 15 parishes communities that had Vietnamese masses. They are self-organized and they have multiple Vietnamese masses at those parishes. And those individuals really felt strongly that this is something they would like the diocese to consider. So from from that contingency, um, it came to a few leaders that I'm currently working with to make a proposal to the diocese and the bishop to see if they would get the approval to build the Shrine of Ali Lavant on the um, grounds of the new Christ Cathedral now on the Garden Grove campus. So uh, I've been involved in that project since the beginning. It's actually very serendipitous. I was a new parishioner to the Christ Cathedral campus. My daughter goes to the Christ Cathedral Academy here, and I often drive... How old is your daughter? She is... I'm a former principal of school, so you you mentioned your daughter's... How old is she? um, (laughs) She is nine today, and she started here when she was two. All right. I was the second enrollee as a parent. Ah. I saw the big sign... And uh, I'll tell you the, the, the short story. I actually my uh, work building can I can look down from the 17th floor and see the cathedral, and I see um, our Dominican nuns and our lovers of Holy Cross walking around. And I thought, well, wow, this is Crystal Cathedral. What's going on? So I drove into the campus. I saw the big sign. It says preschool enrolling now. Please call here. So I called uh, Miss Patty, who was the principal, uh-huh. and I said I would like to join or sign. She said, Are you Catholic? I said, uh, Yes. And she said, okay, come in and fill out an application. <laughs> we, you're the second enrollee, so we've been here ever since. Truth and advertising, you don't have to be Catholic, but it's nice that you are. Yes. Now, that being said, you've been there for about seven years. It creates its own community, much like uh, what I'm sure happens within the Vietnamese communities that have been centered around Our Lady Levang. So you were a new parishioner that was there. You got involved with this project. How has it affected you? Has this been an overwhelming thing for you the last 10 years? This is my main home. Uh, I have to say I'm here every day for various reasons uh, about the project, about the parish, about the school. But um, what was great about the beginning was that I found out that they had four Vietnamese masses scheduled at the cathedral. And what I loved right away when I came here was that the parking is big place is spacious. It's great for families. So I called my parents, my mother, and I said, hey, mom, we are going to go to this new church now. She said, are you sure? I don't think they're Catholic. I said, no, 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 it is. I spoke to the, <laughs> the sisters and I enrolled the, uh, our, your granddaughter in the school. She's like, okay, let's go check it out. So we went to the first Vietnamese mass. Uh, it was quite small. Uh, it was just a few hundred people because they're moving from other parishes trying to kind of figure out like I was. I joined the Vietnamese choir hoping to learn some Vietnamese and also join some sort of community. And from then was when uh, a few gentlemen came to me and said, you know, Elizabeth, we've been wanting to build a shrine uh, and we need some someone to help us form a management team of some kind so that we can talk to the diocese and the bishop. And I said, you come to the wrong person because I just joined. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but But from that that initial calling, I did a lot of Google research, and I spoke to my parents. I spoke to my grandparents, who were alive at that time. Was they were still living? When, when God called David, he wasn't exactly the best candidate amongst the other <laughs> brothers that were there, but God was right. <laughs> so, um, so that's what happened. And I did a lot of research, and I found out that my roots, my ancestral uh, roots, are actually from the middle region of Vietnam. I heard I near Our Lady of Levang. Yes. Wow. So, um, my grandfather was a military leader. He was a colonel that was managing the middle region, and he often went to Lavang in his 20s and 30s with my mother. So when I start hearing this story, I was um, inspired, and I said, 
should I, you know, join this group? Should I help them? I said, well, it would make us proud if you start learning more about your heritage and also if you learn about the legacy of our family and our people. So I said yes to the invitation and I joined the community leadership group and we started to do a business plan uh, that took us about three months. Okay. Uh, we met, uh, I wouldn't say secret, but we met on our own in evenings and such yeah. because we all had jobs. And we wrote a business plan to the diocese indicating why the Vietnamese community would love to have this shrine and w- how we would fundraise for it and what connections do we have that can reach out to the 15 parishes to um, encourage the people to uh, give thanks to Our Lady. So it started with that, and uh, three months after that, we present in July. I remember very vividly, July 13th, I was asked to come to the bishop's home with these few select leaders and talk to him first because apparently he didn't want us to come to his board meeting and say a bunch of things that he didn't want to yeah. do in advance. <laughs> so he said, you guys He's come. a wise bishop. <laughs> yeah, so we came and had dinner, and he said, tell me about your plan. What's happening? Uh, I've heard this for many years now, so... What's the plan? So I sat next to Bishop, and I apologized for not knowing too many things about the Catholic Church. And I told him, you know, I'm from Nebraska, and this is really family and community. I want to learn about it, and I want to help them. And he said, okay, what's your plan? What's the plan? I said, well, this is how we're going to fundraise. Our target is $7 million to accomplish the first phase of the shrine. And then this is the the demographics that we will recruit from, and this is the help we're going to get. And he said, do you have presentation? Do you have anything that would show us what is this story about? I know about it, but that doesn't mean the rest of the board does. So we took some time to put together a 50-page presentation with the help of many other people. And uh, we were invited to come to the diocesan board, which made up of some uh, other monsignors and priests besides the bishop, but other leaders in the community that was helping him. So we presented that to him and them. And it was kind of scary. It was my first time coming to uh, the Tower of Hope and coming to the fourth floor and a bunch of scary people <laughs> who I thought was a little scary. <laughs> and they looked very serious. And they said, thank you for the presentation. We'll get back to you. But then uh, Bishop Kevin was very kind. He, uh, he clapped and he said, come on, give them some encouragement, but we'll get back to you. <laughs> so that's how it all started. And uh, we did get the approval, uh, miraculously enough, only two weeks later. Okay, so this has been a a long process, and it's been a long process for you. Where are we in that process now? I understand we're ready to have a, a solemn blessing of this shrine. What has it entailed? How much money has this cost? How much time has it taken? Everyone that's driven by has, has seen the superstructure. It's got kind of round, swirly things. There's lots of jokes about the the roller coaster effect, but it's beautiful now that it's almost it's almost done. And it's ready to be blessed. What is happening on the 17th? And how did we get there? So let me start with speaking about the architecture first. Um, The roller coaster effect that you're seeing is actually, if you look at it aerially, it's the uh, signature of the alpha. And in the back is the omega. So... Uh, you know more than oh, me. Oh, no, that's beautiful. <laughs> so there's a lot what of symbolism. wonderful symbolism there. Yeah, yeah, the first of, and the last. Very right. good. So there's a lot of symbolism. And if you look at Our Lady's statue uh, face front and you look at her covering, you'll see, and Bishop maybe will agree with me with this, you see that it's, it looks like a hat. It's called Nong La from Vietnam, which is a very typical sun hat 
from the culture of Vietnam. So there's many cultural and religious symbolism in this in this design. And uh, is that how she said to have appeared when she appeared? Uh, she did or not wear the hat. My understanding is that when our lady appear in any local environment, she will be wearing the local clothing, right? So well, we we see this with with our Lady of Guadalupe, for example. Right. So um, so she has uh, sort of like a uh, crown in a. It's called Kang Dong, which is a Vietnamese uh, word that means uh, a very specific hat that she's wearing. And then she has the Ao Yai, which is um, the long uh, Vietnamese dress that is very typical of our country. So so that is what you should see on the statue. But the symbolism about the shrine itself surrounding her was a culmination of uh, work from two architects, one Vietnamese, one American. And the diocesan architects, as already was engaged on the master plan, and obviously the community. So uh, the two requirements that we were asked was that she needs to look like she resemble the official Ali of Lavin, but at the same time, the shrine has to be modern-looking enough to fit onto the Christ Cathedral campus that Robert Schuller has put together such great buildings from very famous mid-century architects. Yeah. So the architecture has a lot of symbolism. The committee, jointly with the diocesan staff, searched and bidded out this project, and we were very fortunate that we had two uh, architects that are willing to work together, which is very difficult. Usually they don't <laughs> they work together, one Vietnamese, one American. Well, they're artists. Our artists have a tendency sometimes to have a, a fixed idea that it could be it can be hard sometimes to negotiate with, with artistic ideas. I'm looking at a photographic representation of it. And when it was behind, um, it was kind of hidden away while they were working on it. All you could see was the superstructure that was going on. The structure actually encircles Our Lady so that it enhances who she is and it brings out where she where she's standing. So that it does seem to flow so very well with the rest of the of the architecture that is around the campus and it draws everyone to her so that you know she's holding the baby Jesus. You know it's it's Mary, and yet it looks different from what most other people are from Southern California associate with Mary. Most people from Southern California either think of Our Lady of Guadalupe or they'll think of someone else like Our Lady of Knock or someone who's... Mm-hmm. Here we have someone who's who's very different. In other representations of Our Lady of Levesque, is, is this similar? Yes, it is very similar. The only thing I would say is different is that it took a uh, priest board of about... Uh, seven or eight priests plus the sacred arts to approve her actual statue. And what they wanted or what we all agree would to want is that she has to have the, the Asian, Asian-esque uh, features, but at the same time uh, Americanized or European enough to be approachable to any parishioner. The shrine uh, obviously is, is is a effort from the Vietnamese community, Vietnamese American community, but it is available to all. So I like to speak a little about the architecture of the of the the way to the shrine. So the way we designed it, or jointly with architects, is that it should be exploratory, meaning you slow down as we you approach the shrine. There are things to see, there are stories, there's tiles, so that when you slowly get close to the statue, you are in more of a reflection mode. It's quiet, it's silence. And then when you look at her and look at the, the spotlight through the natural sunlight on her face and baby Jesus, all of the rest should not matter. All you see is your the Blessed Mother's face. And actually, I was told by many that we uh, recently, because we unveiled um, the statue for us, uh, blessing, uh, that she is so beautiful. And we've, we've heard it from Vietnamese Americans, we heard it from Spanish Americans, Mexican Americans. And if you were to go in the shrine today, 
any hour of the day, you'll see a group of people praying there, even though she's covered up and it's still a construction site. So I do believe um, the community and the committee had, has done a good job of combining and collaborating between the modern world and the Asia world. And that that is the purpose. When we come back, I want to know how this has affected you and your family. I want to know how, Bishop, it's affected you and your family because there's, this is all personal in the end. It's about the accompaniment that Mary has, has committed herself to through the appearance and through the many years since for the Vietnamese people. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Elizabeth Nguyen, who has been deeply involved in the project for the construction of this shrine to Our Lady of Levang here on the campus of Christ Cathedral. And Bishop Nguyen, who has been involved with this project as well and will be there on the 17th when we do our solemn blessing. And we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about how that's impacted your lives. So you'll be back as well. back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Elizabeth Nguyen and Bishop Nguyen from our own diocese, and we have been talking about the newly constructed shrine to Our Lady of Levang here at the diocese, which is, I guess the word dedicated is not quite the right term because that's usually reserved for uh, churches and their altars. This is a shrine, not a church, so it is a sol- solemn blessing that's going to take place there's a lot of emotion, it sounds like, that's tied to Our Lady. And there's got to be a lot of emotion tied to this for the two of you. I know, Bishop, that you have been involved and you've gone to the Shrine of Our Lady. I know you, you took Bishop Van with you to Our Lady. Is that correct? Uh, yes, in, in uh, about a couple, couple of years ago uh, that uh, Bishop Van and I went to Vietnam to attend the, uh, to participate in the installation of the new Archbishop of Hanoi, okay. uh, which is Hanoi. And so uh, during that uh, trip that uh, we were able to stop by Hue, that's right in the central part of Vietnam, and uh, we went there to visit Our Lady Lavang, and it happened on my first anniversary. My All first right. anniversary to <laughs> yes. be a bishop. Uh, a bishop. Early bishop, Fantastic. and so that on the 19th of December, I remember exactly. And Bishop Van uh, allowed me to preside over the uh, uh, over the mass, and then uh, there's oh, about wow. 100 uh, pilgrims were there, and so I, I preached to them in both in English, Bishop Van there, and then Vietnamese, and so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, that uh, that was my first time uh, to, to to visit Our Lady of Vang Shrine in Vietnam. Is it easy to get to? No, like uh, Elizabeth was saying, because uh, the railroad, and, and, and there, there, there was uh, still walking path. She appeared in the jungle, essentially, That's to it. people who were hiding in the jungle, praying the rosary, and she appeared to them in the middle of the jungle while they're sick. Yeah. So this is where that took place. It's still in the jungle. It's, it's, still, it's still in the jungle, I would say. Well, not quite in the jungle, but uh, the, the, the basilica is its built right now. Yeah. Beautiful. It's going gonna, gonna to hold about 5,000 wow. uh, in, in, in that basilica. And then the whole square over there, I think it will 
soon dedicated mm-hmm. um, by the Archbishop, but because of COVID right now, so sure. they, they, they postponed it. But the whole whole place uh, is big. But other than that, the, the, the jungle. Yes. Yeah. So it's surrounded still by the area there, and it's not as easy to get to. It's easy to get to this. If anyone has ever gone past, yeah. in the last year or so, if people have gone past um, the, the corner out here, they can see this. So, in fact, I, I know, for example, if you pass by the big jumbotron we have out there of the television that's out there, you'll often see pictures of what's going on. But you don't have to look even up there. You can just look 100 more feet down, and you've got that's where the construction is. It's right in front of the actual Christ Cathedral building itself. So let's talk a little bit about what's going to go on on the 17th. I understand you're going to be involved with this. What's going to happen on the 17th? Well, uh, we will start the uh, the event uh, by 3 o'clock. And um, from 3 to 4, we will have the uh, music uh, prelude. And in that one hour, we have the cultural drum. Okay. I don't know you attend that. I've heard them, yeah. Yeah, and then there's, there's probably about 50 of them, drummers. Wow. And to do it, so the, the, the place will be noisy. They're, I was going to say, they're, ex- uh, they're exciting to hear if you've ever heard of noisy. Drumming, yeah. No, but, but, but that's, that's exactly what we wanted to start the, the event with the drummer. Wow. Uh, because uh, it, it's kind of announced. Yeah. Uh, the, the event begins. Uh, it is start. Wow. And then um, during that one hour, we, we have uh, the sister of the love of Holy Cross will do something with the kind of liturgical dance. Okay. And, and along with the, uh, the youngster uh, from the Vietnamese uh, Eucharistic Youth Movement. Okay. Uh, I think they select about 223 of them, uh, symbolizing wow. 223 years from the operation. All right, wow. okay. and then uh, a couple songs, and you know uh, we will have the choir up to five hundred voices. I hear the Vietnamese choirs are quite nice, Elizabeth. You have some experience with yes, that. Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm part of the Christ <laughs> Cathedral Choir, and uh, like Bishop said, there will be nineteen choirs participating in this event. Wow! And my nine-year-old daughter is actually in that liturgical dance. I have to take her to practice. <laughs> very good, very good. So. Are you going to be in one of the choirs, or are you doing other things? No, as a committee you, member, I yeah. have to run around and do some paperwork stuff. <laughs> They've got administrative stuff for you to do, I'm sure. Yes. You, though, Bishop, you're going to be part of the entourage representing God's people. So as a priest, you're going to be there, as a someone who relates God to the people and people back to God. So how is this solemn blessing going to take place? What do you do at a solemn blessing? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the to the scheduling. So uh, from three to four, and so four o'clock, we will have the uh, sol- uh, solemn blessing of the uh, Our Lady of Lavang statue, and uh, we have the privilege to to uh, to have papal nuncio. Oh wow! Uh, papal nuncio to come to do the blessing. Uh, I have that a connection. Wonderful. I have a connection with him because he called me about almost four years ago. Yes. Yeah. Out he got the, his number. Yeah. Out, out of the blue, he called me on the September 27th, and he said, "Well, I put him in a voicemail anyway." Yeah, there and you he go. said, "Well, uh, I want you to call me uh, with this number," and it happened. That is the appointment of the bishop, uh, yeah. the, the pope appointing me to be uh, auxiliary bishop uh, of the Diocese of Orange. But anyway, the papal nuncio will be here to preside over the solemn blessing of the Our Lady of uh, Lavang statue at the shrine. And he will have uh, the homily, and then uh, there will be someone to do uh, translation to Vietnamese. 
because the crowd is uh, the Vietnamese, but the presider. So everything in English except the homily and the song. And the wow, song. Yeah. Uh, so that four to five, and then five o'clock, there will be the uh, solemn mass of Thanksgiving. Uh, okay. So far, I heard about 13 bishops will be here, wow. including the papal nuncio and the bishop here in our diocese. And then uh, probably uh, 50, 60 uh, priests will, will be celebrating uh, at, at, at the Mass. There won't be any room for the parishioners of that many priests. <laughs> no, no, but, but, but you know what? They, uh, they anticipate... Yeah. Five to eight thousand people are coming. Wow! All right, and then they probably thinking of more than eight thousand people. Ooh, wow! Uh, so um, we working hard for the security and so on sure. and so forth. So mass will be from five to seven, but then after that there will be the great entertainment with music. <laughs> Oh, they want me to sing. I don't know. I said, well, you want me to sing Kyrie Eleison or what? <laughs> but anyway, it's going to be a great, a great night for, for, for celebration. So from three to four, music prelude, four to five, the solemn blessing of the shrine, and then five to seven, the Mass of Thanksgiving okay. in the presence of uh, many bishops and priests. I want to revisit uh, how people can participate in this a little bit later on. But I originally was asking, and we kind of got sidetracked, and I want to come back to it. How has this impacted your lives? How has Our Lady of Levang impacted your families and your lives? I know that, Elizabeth, your grandfather had visited the shrine himself back when he was a young man. And I have, too. And you have, too. Yes. So tell us a little bit. Yeah, so in 2017, upon the pending approval of the project, I asked permission from my family to uh, go back to Vietnam and visit. So I, I was fortunate enough to be able to fly there and uh, greeted by the director of the sh uh, Vietnam Base Shrine, uh, Father Hien at the time. And I went there and um, my first thought was, wow, this is a very sad country that my parents came from, which I never knew. And I, I literally cried in front of the statue. And I asked her, um, what is it that you would like me to do? You're about to cry again. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I went to the gift shop, and I got the notice from Bishop Kevin Van that, and this is two weeks after the presentation, he mm. said, go ahead with the project. It's approved. <laughs> so, what great timing. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Our Lady. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I thought, well, something's wrong with my phone. So I called back to the committee, and my parents said, you know, I think he approved it. And um, my parents are fine. You know, I've always been a good kid, and they support everything that I, I've done, and I called the committee, and they said to me, are you sure? Because nothing gets approved this quickly. We were expecting four to six months, and on July 26th, the project was officially approved. So, Somehow uh, I think if Bishop Van wants something done, it's going to get done. And it sounds like he wanted this done. So that's a good thing. <laughs> well, my trip was very um, inform informative. I learned a lot about the shrine history, and I learned a lot about uh, the people and my family. I visited the churches in Hue where my parents, uh, as uh, little toddlers, were attending. I talked to some of my grandparents' neighbors. It was a very soul-searching trip. And um, how it impacted my life is that I became much closer to my family. And so did a lot of volunteers in this project. Wow. By learning about the history through uh, something like this, you've learned to appreciate the sacrifices of your family and your yeah. parents. And you appreciate everything that you have here in this new land that was brought to you from the family, but through the prayers to the Blessed Mother. 
I know when we were talking before we actually began the broadcast, you mentioned your grandfather had uh, helped provide some some money and some instruction to get out mm-hmm. back in the 1975 or so, when it was clear that the Vietnamese were going to have retribution against those who aided the South Vietnamese armies. What happened with your grandfather and what happened with your family? You were part of the boat people, weren't you? Yeah, my parents were definitely. Um, so his, uh, my mother's five siblings were instructed to escape any way possible because of my uh, grandparents' military service, for sure. They will be in, uh, imprisoned, and although their kids would probably be put in some other place that they don't right. want. So um, through their uh, connections, they still had the time. They escaped either by plane or boat. And we arrived here in the Midwest in the 70s. And uh, I've never heard such, uh, probably didn't want to traumatize me with their horror story. So I, I didn't start hearing about much of it until I was a teenager. And circling back to how interesting the way God lays out your life for you, when I was eight or nine, my parents took me, because we were in the Midwest, we were close, to Carthage, Missouri, to the, um, to the Marian Days, which was a, a very good way to celebrate Ali Lavin yearly in Missouri. Okay. So my first interaction with Arlie was actually when I was eight and then hearing stories from my family. And then 30 years later, now I'm helping to run this project. So as you can see, I'm very much looking forward to the day of solemn blessing to sort of full circle with my family roots, my faith, um, and also the, all the new people and the, the members that have helped me to get to where I am here today personally. Wow. I also understand, and we've had this conversation in a previous broadcast, Bishop, your background is also amongst the boat people, though you were actually part of the boat people. You were part of the people that came across. When we come back, I want to have a chance to ask you how this has impacted your life, how Our Lady Little Vang has been with you, and how your story actually is uh, a story of hope as well. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Elizabeth Nguyen and Bishop Nguyen, both of whom are talking about the solemn blessing coming up of Our Lady of Levang here on the campus of Christ Cathedral on July 17th. And if you'd like to be a part of that, along with thousands of other people who I think are going to be very enthusiastically a part of that, we'll tell you how you can do that when we come back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope here in beautiful Garden Grove, California, on the campus of Christ Cathedral, where we are about to have the solemn blessing of the Shrine of Our Lady of Levang here on the campus. And with me today, and before we go any further, I want to make sure I pause for a moment and thank deeply, uh, we have Bishop Nguyen, who has been deeply involved in this project and has taken some time to spend with us to talk about it today, along with Elizabeth Nian, who's also been very involved in, in the execution of the project. Thank you both for coming in and sharing with us what this project has been for you. Bishop, we were just listening to Elizabeth talk about her family and her personal journey in this project, how it has really been a catalyst for a reigniting of a, of a relationship with her family in ways that she hadn't had quite before. 
uh, someone who's always been involved with her family, now even closer, if I can summarize. She's nodding her head. But, Bishop, I understand that your faith in Our Lady of Levang has been important for you too personally, and that we were talking earlier about how you had been in seminary and then had persecution, and then you had to complete seminary afterwards. You eventually left Vietnam. How did Our Lady of Levang, how did that affect you in that whole process of leaving Vietnam? Well, the story of Our Lady Levang had the impact in my life, and that impact is strongly connected to the Marian devotion in my family, in the parish that, that I was in Vietnam, because uh, in Vietnam, we all have the Marian procession mm-hmm. uh, every month of May and every month of October. And then during the time that uh, the statue of Our Lady Fatima traveling, they uh-huh. go and do each house and praying and so on and so forth. But personally, in my family, we have my thankful dad and mom, very faithful to have the morning and evening prayer every day. Every day. And so the Marian devotion really stick with us uh, when we were in young age. But anyway, what what so impact in my life is my boat trip from Vietnam to the Philippines that um, I shared with you earlier about the persecution that the, the communist government disbanded our community and so sent us home after signing the, the, the paper that I volunteered to go back to my own family. And six months after... Uh, I went home. My mom and dad, my family escaped Vietnam by boat. And we were in the, in the small boat, 26 people, 8 feet wide and, and, and 28 feet long, and a small motor and then running and so on and so forth. That, that, is, that is a small boat. Very small. I, I was just to make a comparison. This is, I think, kind of interesting. The boat that was found in the Sea of Galilee from 2,000 years ago, you, you heard about that. They yeah. found an old, mm-hmm. it's roughly the same dimensions. It's a, yeah. it's about six to eight feet wide, and it's about 24 feet long. That's it. Yeah, that's it's not very big. <laughs> very, very small, very small. That's why we are crammed in into the, the boat, 26 people. All right. And then so, you know, it come to, to mind that, that we escaped Vietnam on the 6th. July 16, the night July 16, and here we're July 17. <laughs> wow. Right? And so on the 17th of July, I remember we get out. I think of God camp. has a sense of humor. Yeah. I really do. Uh, <laughs> come to think of it, I'm just thinking of it right now. And so on July 17, out in the Cameron Bay, we hit the big storm. Oh. The storm, I say, uh, the tropical storm, 40 miles an hour, 60, 65 uh, kilometers oh. an hour, but with a small boat. Yeah, uh, and with the tropical storm, so blowing north. If you know Vietnam, Nha Trang, it's a go, they, they blow uh, to Da Nang and then go into China and so on and so forth. So four days like that, four days oh, in that yes. tropical storm, uh, but we survived. Thank God, yeah. thank God, we survived. And then after four days, the storm uh, ceased, and then the the sea calm, very calm. And we turned off the motor to rest, but we could not start the motor again. Oh, no. And so four days later, we have to draw, drop it in, in, into the sea. All right. But what next? So, uh, after eight days, we ran out of food and drink. And from the eight day to 18 day, 10 days, nothing to eat, nothing to drink. We survive with rainwater. Each three days, we have one cup of water for each 26 people, three times. Oh, wow. And then on the 17th day that we were so exhausted 
And so we still faithful to the evening prayer and then rosary and so on and so forth. And it was so weak that uh, I can hear, I can hear Hail Mary, but the rest we didn't hear. Holy Mary, yes, and amen. All right. Then after that evening prayer, my, my dad was a navigator, and so we decided to put the steering in the fixed position. Twenty-six people went to sleep. Talking about surrendering, yeah. talking about letting go. Amazingly, on the 18th day, which is next day, I was the first one to get up, and I saw a mountain, but I didn't believe in my eye. And so I called one of my brothers and said, is that true? So after 15 minutes, gazing the mountain, it didn't move. And so we believe that this is mountain. And when we say mountain, all 26 people get up and row the boat from that point from 8 o'clock in the morning to 5 p.m. My question is, where did we find the strength he yeah. rode the bow while the 17th day was so exhausted, yeah. could not say the rosary, the whole thing. But we landed up in, um, in Philippines uh, that evening, and I thank God for the trip. And I, uh, I, my prayer at that time was this, that, Lord, my life was on the sea, and you give me the new life. So I will do whatever uh, you have in store for me. Uh, in the future. And so that's why I end up in seminary and God walks in a miraculously that I end up here to be the auxiliary bishop. Of but talking about the impact. Well, this is, this is such an echo of the very first appearance of Our Lady in 1798. They were doing the rosary. They were being persecuted. They were so sick. They barely had strength. And yet it was through their devotion to Our Lady that she gave them hope. It's and that's why such I, an echo. <laughs> that's why I'm saying that my <clears throat> the impact I have to link with the Marian yeah. devotion, and I think that is the story of many Vietnamese here in the diocese of Orange. They have settled here, and like I said to you earlier, as well as Elizabeth, uh, we were sharing with you that uh, when they look back to their life, past life, and they remember all the blessing that they have received like my blessing, that uh, safe trip to Philippines, survive, and so on and so forth. Uh, and they wanted to give thanks to the Lord through this blessing because of the, they were interceded by uh, our Blessed Mother, and they want to give honor to our Blessed Mother. That's why this place become true for to, to, uh, to the many uh, Vietnamese here because they desire to have this place to honor. I love stories of echo that lead back to hope. Uh, so Mary is always pointing back to Jesus. I mean, the, the one thing she says is do whatever he says. That was at the Cato wedding. Do whatever he tells you. He, she's always pointing <clears throat> us back to her son, but she's never stops being our mother and she never stops giving us that hope. And Our Lady of Levang has done that. For people who would like to be involved with this, who would like to attend, is there a website that they can go to? Yes, certainly. So um, the uh, Diocese Media Office has put on a link on the ChristCathedralParish.org um, to give instructions on how to drive in and get access to the event at 3 o'clock. Um, we suggest you come a little bit more than, uh, earlier than 3 uh, on 17th. But also on the Orange Catholic Foundation website, which is our 
keeper of all our funding uh, also has some instructions. And I did want to, you know, uh, say this. Our founding donors were quite generous. Uh, at the beginning of the show, I, I mentioned to you that the target was seven. Today, we are at $13 million for this. With inflation and with the, the yeah. realities of what happens when you have to do construction. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and part of what Bishop was saying rings very true to me is that because I have a chance through the project to work and hear many donor stories as I, you know, instruct them how to turn in their donation. Uh, many of them say the same thing. We are very fortunate. We prayed for our family. We prayed for people in our family that had cancer, that has, has this problem and that problem, and she always answered them. And so that's their reason for their donation. What does the diocese hope that this shrine will, will lead to in our diocese? Well, Marian devotion very strong among the Vietnamese uh, community. So I anticipate that a lot of uh, Vietnamese people coming here to uh, to pay uh, tribute uh, and uh, to honor our blessed mother uh, on my part um, that I will uh, plan to have uh, mass uh, here at the shrine outdoor every first Saturday of the month oh, wow all right and then the biggest one would be the Marian days we're talking about Marian days would mean three days and we expect to uh, get the number, like Elizabeth was, was saying to you earlier, 20,000 people for the solemn mass in that particular Marian day. Uh, in addition to that, uh, the Vietnamese community has had the tradition of the three big celebrations uh, annually, the Vietnamese Martyrs, mm-hmm. all right, and uh, the Divine Mercy Sunday, and Vietnamese New Year, Ted. Okay. So they were thinking of using this place to celebrate. This well, will be very well used. Yes, yes, yeah. And, uh, and Mary will be very pleased. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's smiling now. <laughs> I think she is. Bishop, I want to thank you again for being here. And Elizabeth, thank you for being here. For people who would like more information, the website uh, at the Diocese of Orange RCBO website uh, has a page on it. And the, the Orange County Foundation has another page on it. Uh, this is going to be on the 17th, and 3 o'clock is when it begins. And also all the media I wanted to mention are invited. So this will be a live stream event if they're watching the Diocese of Orange Facebook or website and all the channels. For those people who are concerned about the heat, 3 o'clock, we have tent to cover. <laughs> tent cover for 8,000 people. So don't worry, just come and uh, participate and I, pray. I have a request for an even better coverage, which would be a blessing. Bishop, if you'd be so kind, could you lead us in a prayer and a blessing for our listening audience? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Lord, we thank you for this time together to share the good news about Our Lady of Lavang, the story of uh, human suffering and the divine intervention. And we indeed need uh, God's presence uh, in our life. And, and Mary is, is a wonderful example to show the divine uh, uh, presence in our midst. Like Mary said, uh, come to Jesus, do whatever he say. May our uh, devotion to our Lady Lavang here lead us uh, to grow in our loving relationship with her son, Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Elizabeth. You've been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. If you would like to hear this broadcast again, it will be posted as a podcast shortly, and you can find that by going to OCCatholic.com, going to the radio tab, and then you'll see a number of different programs that we produce here at the studios of Orange County Catholic Radio. The flagship show, Orange County Catholic Radio, is there, and you can listen to this as soon as it's posted. For those of you who are listening to this podcast after the event has actually taken place and would like to still participate, you can actually still see the Mass on the Diocese of Orange Facebook page, and you can also go to our website and you can download this podcast. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will see you again next week.